Welcome to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs, a webinar series that packs a ton of important agency information on one topic from one expert into a 25-minute brief. Why 25 minutes? Because who has the attention span for much more these days? And you can squeeze in a listen between meetings with time for a bathroom break or coffee refill before your next meeting. Thanks for tuning in. This is Bite Size Agency Briefs. I'm your host, Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight, where I coach agency owners to build the agency of their dreams. Today, I'm talking with fellow agency coach, Danielle Photo from Momentum Marketing. Danielle, thanks for joining me. How are you today? Thanks for having me, Steve. Doing well. It's a wonderful day, and I'm super excited to chat all things agency. Awesome. Me too. So let's jump in and talk about getting momentum, momentum marketing, your coaching practice. How did you get here today? Like, what was your path getting into coaching? Yeah, my path to coaching really um, was born out of working at marketing agencies. And I worked in individual contributor roles, in client management roles, in leadership roles. And at each of the agencies that I worked at, um, the the owner to varying degrees was always really bogged down with the need for developing a solid pipeline for leads, for sales, to keep operations running smoothly with a good pipeline to onboard and offboard clients. And they were different kinds of agencies that I worked at, but each one had that similar problem. And while I was working at these agencies, um, anytime I came across like a partner agency that the agency was working with too, I would notice like, how do they go to market? How do they position themselves? Who do they position themselves to? And how are they building their pipeline? So over time, I just observed what worked and what didn't work for agencies. And sometimes what works for agencies is very different than what the agency does for their own clients to help their clients succeed. And so I just noticed those trends. And at some point, I was like, well, I can help so much more agencies if I'm not working at one at a time. I would really love to get them back to the lives that they want and give them time away and let them know like there is security in your pipeline. It's going to be okay for you to go on vacation for a week. And um, so I got into coaching through a desire to really help creatives and owners recognize their value and build up their pipelines in a really strategic and sustainable way so that not only are they growing their agency if that's what they want, but it's going to be a resilient agency, which is different than just growth. I love that. I feel like we kind of had the same like aha moment when we jumped into practice, into coaching. Like, all right, I can get a job and I can, you know, do this really well for you. And there's my whole life, 60 hours a week, right? Or I can do this for a lot of agencies and help them all, you know, grow and be healthy and have good work-life balances and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. As a coach, is there like, do you hang your hat on a methodology or certain thing that you dig into specifically Mm -hmm. with with agencies? I have a framework. And so Frameworks are nice because the tactics can change. And as we all know, in the marketing agency world, uh, the right vehicles to use to get the best results are going to change over time. We're going through one of those periods of time right now. And 
because of that, I use a framework as opposed to recommending specific tactics, but the framework is the momentum framework. There's basically four pillars. So the first pillar is building an audience. And so the soapbox that I really stand on here is making sure that you have niched down into either an industry vertical or a hyper-specific buyer persona. And we're not talking like demographics here. We're talking about like motivational reasons, psychographics mm -hmm. for this buyer persona. Um, so building an audience there among a specific actual group of people and being relevant to them in the industry, becoming a subject matter expert in that industry for that buyer persona, not just in your own craft, and then using the right techniques and tactics of marketing to build that audience. Second phase being building relationships. And a lot of this comes back to how, especially creatives that have become agency owners, uh, tend to be less apt at networking and going to events and building those strategic relationships. That's really, really, really important as an agency owner. And yeah. so we focus in on that. We identify the right strategic partnerships and the right associations to be uh, attending events at and how to be doing LinkedIn networking well and uh, other ways to build up some good relationships then that third pillar is going to be building profit. So really looking at numbers, making sure everything's running smoothly operationally so that as biz dev is piping in new leads, it's going to turn out well on the ops side too. And then the fourth is building leaders because the people make the place. And mm -hmm. so elevating the leaders within the agency, giving them the structure and the growth paths that they need, and then giving them responsibilities and allowing them to take the reins on some things and let the owner delegate a little bit more and step back. So we work through some of those challenges. Yeah, I love that. I think it's important to have some, you know, a framework or some guidelines or, you know, you know um, I, I'm anti-cookie cutter coaching. And I think there's a lot of them out there, a lot of, and I don't say that in a derogatory way, like if it works for some people, great. It's, I'm not a fan of that, but frameworks and things like that, certainly with the ability to say, you know, we can kind of go over here with it or we can kind of go over there with it or plug in, like you said, different tactics here and there. Um, mm -hmm. So, And the personality so, of the agency owner matters too, right? Uh, and what absolutely. their skills are, like what are your superpowers? Like that matters. Yeah. And so crafting your go-to-market and your biz dev strategy around your superpowers is very important. And you can do that when you're operating on a framework, not just a how-to of specific tactics and steps to follow. Yeah, it's more fluid when you've got a framework like that, um, which I love. So so niching down, you're a big fan of that. Um, I know when I had my agency, I fought it for a number of years. And it wasn't until a coach kind of like shoved it down my throat and was like, you have to niche down. Um, for us, it was like our, our process into that was, all right, these are the clients that we've done a lot of work for. And we've got, a you know, um, a sample book that we can basically show. These are the clients that we love doing work for. These are the clients that trust us to do really good work. These are the clients that have the kinds of budgets we want to work for. And so we, we would do that and find like Venn diagrams almost of like, these are the sweet spots. This is where we want to niche down. And then what are like the neighboring verticals so that we could find two or three, not just one niche. Um, so I fought it for a long time. Do your clients fight it also? They do. Um, not all of them, um, but the ones that don't fight it are the ones that are already starting to do that and they just need help uh, furthering their path there. But the ones who do fight it, oftentimes they're fighting it because they don't want to be boxed in and they feel yeah. like they're going to get bored. 
So those two primary fears, um, also the fear of saying no, because no is the scariest word to say, but it's the best word in the English language. Um, But those fears, they're, they're really hindering because when you're niching down, you're actually expanding your realm of opportunity and you're clarifying your value proposition and you're making it easier to know exactly who your competitors are and exactly what your opportunities are for partnerships. And there's a lot of value that comes out of that. You're able to develop an ideal service mix and um, to that to that audience base that you're working with, as opposed to just being like every other agency that's out there. Because I don't know about you, Steve, but I go to agency websites and they all look the same. I'm mm-hmm. like, there's no differentiation here. It just looks like another one. So let's talk about that. Let's figure out like, who are you actually providing the most value for and in what ways and why does that matter to them? And so when you niche down, you're able to actually take the next step and do that. And then you don't look like 2000 other agencies. You look like your agency. You are your brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if they look different because some creative director at some agency was like, oh, we can really come up with something so special looking great. It still says the same thing. Right. And the message is the same. It's just designed yeah, differently. Yeah. We do all things for all, you know, all size companies in all <laughs> yes. industries. And it's like your value statement isn't very valuable. So let's dig into that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your you aha moment, Steve, when you, when you were able to niche down? I don't know that there was like an aha moment as opposed to marketing would be easier. I'd be able to really target my messaging. And so I wasn't like, oh my God, we need to niche down or we're bailing water and firing people. It was like, if I want to keep growing, if I wanted to get to a certain point, this is the fastest track to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's kind knew, of a plateau point that you were at. Yeah. Yeah. It was like an inflection, like, all right, you can keep being all things to all people and waiting for the opportunistic growth. Referrals come when you're everything to everybody. They also come stronger when, oh, I need a nonprofit agency. Oh, I got the best nonprofit agency for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're more front of mind. So it was it was that like inflection point of like, we'd like to be something more than we are. And it was a team decision. It was team growth and all team process to develop those value statements into the niches that we were really carving out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I well, work with agencies of, where, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say a lot of agencies experience that plateau point when they run out of people that they already know that need their help. And then the people that they know that they know that need their help. And that's like plateau point number one. And if you niche down, then you're widening your ability to actually do outreach and strategic marketing efforts Mm -hmm. for that audience group. So you were going to dive into, to a, another example. That was a whole 30 seconds ago. I've lost it already. But, Sorry, um, Steve. No, no, you're you're 100 right though. Like when you know, all right, I only do whatever manufacturing, or you know, I've got a friend who's who's got a branding agency here in New Jersey. Um, he only works with, I guess it's um, like um, what do you call it? I- industrial, like um, Jesus, drawing a total blank on it. Really, guys with trucks, companies with multiple trucks, and he he's developed like this this phrase, uh, white van syndrome where it's like the white van and it just says Joe's plumbing and it shows before and afters of like the white van syndrome. And so nationally he does, you know, um, a, a lot of manufacturing, um, yeah, I don't know what you call it, HVAC or plumbing or mm-hmm. you know, those yeah. industries, whatever you want to call them, I'm drawing a blank on right now. Yeah. Thank you. Trades. Um, 
know, super niche down. Like he doesn't do law firms. He doesn't do nonprofits. He doesn't like, that's where he is. He speaks at conventions for the trades. He speaks at, you know, webinars for the trades. They are known as the go-to, you know, white van syndrome, fix that, you know, white van into really powerful dynamic brands. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, when you niche down, you get to really leverage it and be the expert in that, in that industry. And, be the, the known marketer in that industry. You know, I have a client who's um, law firm, like that is their literally only niche is we do law firms mm-hmm. um, and yep. they do it really well across the country. Yep. And it's not even just for marketing and sales that it becomes easier. It does, yeah. but it also becomes easier for operations because you yeah. know, when your clients are and are not available, you know how they like to communicate in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, people mm-hmm. vary, but types of people you can find some generalities there. You understand what kinds of softwares they're using that your team might need to integrate with or provide value within. And you can really refine how you onboard, deliver and offboard and retain clients because you know stages of their own business life cycle too. So yeah. for for that example you gave, you know, an agency working with trades, depending on what trade they're in, they have <clears throat> seasonality. There are busy yeah. times and there are slower times. So you want to get them in the door during their slower times and really have them ramped up for the busy time. And so you know yeah. that their seasonality is going to affect your seasonality too in your own agency. Yeah. So how do you work with agencies that are like, um, all right, talk about seasonality. Summers are slow for me as a marketer because we only work with landscapers and they're all you know, busy doing landscaping work. Now what do I do? Well, if you're finding yourself in a slow point and your team is in a slow point, I do recommend having a marketing plan that you're recruiting your team members to be helping with. I think that distributing the workload for agency marketing is really, really important. And you can do that all year long too. You can have specific people assigned to different marketing tasks and biz dev relationships and managing all of that so that you as the owner, you don't have to do all of it and you shouldn't because ultimately... I know, I know. Um, but Steve, so many agency owners think that if they're doing the marketing for their agency, that they're working on the business, but that's a false narrative. If you're doing the ongoing marketing for your agency, you're working in the business. The marketing of your agency is an in the business function. So if you're doing that all the time and you're bogged down by it, and you think that you're working on the business, you need to shift your mindset and you need to delegate those tasks so that you actually can work on the business and get it to the next level. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like digging into multiple niche niches, niche? Let's call it niche. Yeah. I think two things. So first thing, I think that's a great stepping stone for generalist agencies that are having a hard time focusing in on a core vertical because you can have worked in 20 different industries and know multiple industries really well and like Mm -hmm. those client profiles really well too. So it can be a good baby step, a good stepping stone to refining your focus. But I would say the other thing is if you're, it's either a refining moment or it's a growth moment, basically. Mm -hmm. So you're either refining down to focus in so that you can grow from a plateau or you've plateaued the second time and you've pretty much penetrated that industry vertical as much as you think that you can, and you feel like the only way to expand is to niche into another industry vertical. At that point, though, it really becomes, do you have the ability to get the right people in the right seats 
to handle that new industry vertical well. So it becomes a little tricky at that point because oftentimes there are missed opportunities within the niche that you're already serving that you just haven't tapped into yet. So those are my kind of the two points that I see related to having multiples. Ultimately, it's up to you. Like if you want to go to market in as many industry verticals as you want, that is your choice. And there there is a case to be made for generalist agencies too. But usually those generalist agencies have a value proposition that is still very, very unique. And they're yeah. not truly a generalist agency. So when you see these hyper successful agencies that are everything to everyone or seem to be Take a take a pause and yeah. evaluate, is that really true? And is that going to be true about my business, about my agency? Because oftentimes it's not. And that's where a lot of agencies get themselves in trouble. Yeah, I, I like to kind of refer to niching as you can niche in a vertical or verticals and or in a service. So we do video for everybody. Hmm, probably not going to work very well. We do video for B2B tech firms. Awesome. That's like super, super niche down. Yep. We do, you know, branding and design for higher ed, medical and commercial real estate. Perfect. That works. Mm-hmm. Um, the singular niche scares me. I'm curious what you think of I mean, we saw yeah. full industries just evaporate during COVID. And that does happen. Total industries just yeah. go away. And so we saw in- yeah. agencies tank because of that as well. And they do. Um, yeah. yeah. And they definitely so, do. And that's honestly, I don't know that there's a way around that. And so if you choose to niche, you can set up safeguards for that. But if you have external market forces that affect your clients' businesses that you can't control, it is what it is. And so you adapt and you pivot the best that you can. But there's always going to be those variables. And I do know agencies that were hyper-focused in like hospitality that completely Mm -hmm. went under. Um, But... Those things, yeah, yeah, you can plan for them best you can. But think about what happened for those agencies before all of that. They were hyper successful and they mm-hmm. they were able to succeed. So you have to define for yourself, like, what is my measure of success? What is my finish line? And I know a lot of agency owners don't do this. So this is another soapbox that I, I stand on of defining what success is. Is success hitting 10 million? Is success having 30 people? Is it having 200 people? Is it having 75 clients? Is it having, you know, $30,000 per client per month in revenue? Like, what is your measure of success? Is it the amount of time that you're working in the agency? Because that can help you know what your inflection points for your business are going to be. So. I think looking at that is really important. It is it is scary though to to niche and I don't want to discount that because it is it is difficult. And I mean even for us right now see if we coach agencies. We are niched into the agency vertical and a lot of agencies are going through a season of extreme commoditization right now mm-hmm. with the age of AI and that affects our businesses. Yeah. But can we continue to Yes, it is because we can shift the way that we're serving our audience, but we already have an audience. We know who our people are. So that's the thing is, okay, hospitality. Yeah, it went under. I don't really know if there could have been a way to pivot around that because there's so much ongoing work that needs to happen for hospitality and it just kind of closed down. 
But if you're working with trades, if you're working with B2B manufacturing or direct-to-consumer manufacturing, I mean, those are very different business types and the audiences are different too. And so they're looking at ways of scaling their businesses differently. So start looking at the same things that they're looking at because you know your audience and you know what's affecting their business. Yeah. I think certain ways that I don't want to say you can avoid it because even if you do like the most in-depth SWOT analysis, you don't know what those threats are down the road. Nobody could have seen COVID coming except for maybe the, the, the people in the labs with the bats. I don't know. Um, But let's say you're in hospitality and tourism, which tank are there parts of that industry that, supply chain or software for it or you know different parts of that industry you're not just working for the the hiltons and the marriott's of the world but are you working for um i don't know the union that supplies the security and bellboys or like i don't you know mm-hmm. i don't even know that's thing but well, are there yeah. are there deeper different different legs of that niche i'm a fan of like three or four niches that are neighboring that can each on their own stand on their own um blair ends talks about three verticals that you live on. And I, I explain it as, I like to think of it as, and I think I stole this from my old boss at my old agency, a four-legged stool, because mm-hmm. if each of those industries is a leg of a stool and one of those goes away, you can still kind of balance on a three-legged stool pretty well. Yeah. Um, that might be me being super conservative, you know, even in the example of my friend that just does um, trades, let's say the plumbing industry somehow just poof goes away. There's still HVAC, there's still electric, there's still contractors, there's still roofers. Yep. So, it, you know, there's multiple verticals within that large sect, uh, sector mm-hmm. of the industries. So. Yeah. And it comes down a little bit to your your service mix, right? What yeah. are you doing as an agency on behalf of your clients? So if you only do social media for hospitality and yeah. the hospitality industry goes under, yeah, you're going to have some problems. But if you also do reputation management and PR and all of these other things, you have opportunities to continue doing work for yeah. some of those um, situations. But you're you're totally right. Having... Um, having a niche that is adaptable to some different sub segments is important. Yeah. yeah I think it's fair to say a hundred percent of the coaches on this podcast agree that agencies should be niched in some kind of way or another. So 10 out of 10, uh, doctors here recommend niching. Uh, I want to jump gears real quick, spend the last few minutes, ask yeah. you some random, uh, they don't need to be professional based, but like, uh, uh, rapid fire questions that could be based on you and your family or whatever. Um, but so what is a show, podcast, audio book, something that you are just, you can't get enough of right now? I really don't watch TV very much. Um, and when I do watch TV, it's the news, (laughs) which is not super great for mental health, but uh, what is great for mental health is spending time outside. So instead of watching TV, I usually go spend time in the garden. Awesome. So that's the thing you're binging the most is like getting your hands dirty, planting yep. seeds, nurturing yep. the garden. Definitely. I'm a big fan. Awesome. Love that. Right there with you. Um, also jealous of people that say they don't watch TV. Like I, I had a call with a friend a few weeks ago and she's like, I just don't watch TV. And she runs a few businesses, family, like super. I'm like, that makes sense because you're so busy. At the end of the night, it's like, let's hit the couch and just watch something and just yeah. you know, disappear into the couch for a little while. Well, I know it did. So my husband and I moved pretty recently and we decided when we moved, we're not going to put a TV in the living room. 
Our mm-hmm. living room is going to be where we connect with people. And so we didn't put a TV in there. We've got TVs in our offices because okay. if we want to watch the news or something, it makes sense to do it in your office. Um, but yeah, I think that really helps. Like where, where have you placed those, those yeah. items in your life? That's so intentional. Uh, we don't have one in the bedroom intentionally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I we don't either. Cause that's, yeah. yeah, that's a great way to not connect with someone. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what about, uh, again, professionally or personally, a tool that you have found totally indispensable that you've recently integrated into your life? Mm, Dig- digital or physical even? Oh, oh, that's a really good question. I went back to pen and paper notes, actually, relatively recently. I have I love Asana still, and I use Asana a lot, especially when mm-hmm. I'm working with other people. But mm-hmm. for things that require just me, I've actually shifted a lot to more pen and paper, sticky notes and making my own like physical, like agile scrum boards with physical sticky notes and like a whiteboard. And it has been really refreshing to, to do it that way. Um, I don't know how long I'll do it that way because eventually you kind of just swap back and forth between techniques sometimes, but it's been really nice. That's very renaissance-y of you. Um, I'm also pen and paper, always have a notepad with a list. Yep the satisfaction of crossing something off a list is like greater than a thousand likes on an Instagram post. Like to me, yeah. it's an endorphin, like high it as is. heck. So yeah. yeah, I get it. The the narwhals in Asana when you finish a task are great. Uh, <laughs> but then I find like, I just put so many tasks in there that I get overwhelmed. But if I put it on paper and like limit myself yep. to one page of priorities for the week, yep. it just feels cleaner and more attainable. Yeah. So I do a hybrid of between Trello of managing kind of long, long form boards. Um, yep. and then I take things out like this is the stuff I need to attack this week or that even yep. on this day. So it's not yep. overwhelming. Um, and then finally, what is a super invaluable piece of business advice that you can share with all the listener? Yeah. Done is better than perfect. And this is another soapbox that I stand on. A lot of coaches do. And the reason that all of us stand on this soapbox together is because we see so much potential in the agencies and businesses that we're supporting that goes untapped because there's this amazing campaign that's 90% done sitting on the shelf collecting dust. So I recommend that if you are working on something, just recognize you can get it to 90% and launch it. And you can always go back four weeks later, eight weeks later, two years later, and you can adjust it. You can change it, but get it live. That's going to be what drives impact for your business. Oh, I love that. I'm a big fan. Support you right there. hundred percent. Awesome. Danielle, well, you- thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, super grateful for your, uh, your wisdom that you shared and uh, the value that you bring to this episode. So thank you. Thank you, Steve. I know you and I share a lot of the same principles for how to go about doing business. So I really appreciate everything that you shared too. And this podcast is a great resource. Thank you so much. Thanks again for tuning in to Bite-Sized Agency Briefs. As always, if you found value in this episode, chances are someone else will too. So please share it with your network. Also, if you know someone with expert knowledge on a topic that agency owners would love, Drop me a note. Let's get them on. Finally, find someone to hug today.